You are listening to the Takedown Notice, conferencing on Google Hangouts, available for download on iTunes. This week's featured artist, Toto. All right, everyone, welcome to the Takedown Notice Episode 8. I didn't have anything clever to start us with, but that's going to be okay because we're going to have a great time in this episode, or at least we'll try to because we are talking about Toto a lot. Man, yes. but you know what? It's okay. And I'm it sure. Begins. I'm sure Aaron's gonna tell us why why we should like Toto more than we do, or or we should like why we should like Toto as much as he and John seem to. So we're gonna have a good time with that. I I do think though we should start by going back to our happy places and thinking about music songs. we like. Yeah, yeah, music we like that we might have listened to uh, over the last couple weeks. Um, let's go ahead and start with Aaron. Maybe yeah. you have something you want to share with us. I've been really into a, a group I just discovered. Three girls. They're called the Waylon Jennies. Yeah. Sure. Um, and it's obviously a playoff of Waylon Jennings, the country artist. It was less um, obvious to me until you pointed it out. Now okay, I it. well. Like, oh, well, yeah, I do hear that now. They're, they're spectacular. Their most recent album, uh, Bright Morning Stars, is very good. Super expressive, dynamic, attention um, with the vocals, three girls singing tight harmonies in a kind of uh, old-time kind of bluegrass at moments uh, country. All the Stars is a wonderful, beautiful song. So definitely check out the Waylon Jennings. Also, kind of similar, Sarah Jarose is pretty cool. Um, similar kind of style. Annabelle Lee is probably my favorite song right now for that. And then I guess trying to keep up, I think we listen, when we were listening to Iron and Wine, I kind of started listening to some other kind of more indie artists and stuff, uh, just stuff I've been listening to before. But I don't know if you all know Lucy Rose. Um, really new. Yeah, she has a album, I think it was 2012, but a couple singles from that. Um, Bikes and uh, is, a, is a nice song, and Shiver is one I'd heard on YouTube a lot, which is a very very pretty song. And of course, I think just the head and the heart, which I think a lot of us know. Shake and another story from their latest album. So, I don't know if y'all do y'all know the Head and Heart. Yes, I know that they exist. What do you think, Ryan? Seattle. Are they? Okay. Yeah, I have weird feelings about them because their lead guy flipped out at one of their concerts and was like wailing on somebody, or so the story goes. I don't know. I'm not very good uh, at keeping up on whether or not these things are true, but that's just the impression I have of them sure. in my head. <laughs> so. I have weird feelings about them because their freaking album cover scares the crap out of yeah, me. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Uh, it does not stir up good feelings. In my well, head. now I'm going to the Wikipedia mobile to look it up. Well, this that's the first album. The second album is just people laying on the lawn or something weird like that. Oh, that's okay. The, the first album, though, does have a great song. Uh, um, Lost in My Mind is a great song. It's the first song I've heard by them. Um, but that, that album is a little creepy looking. Yes. So, anyway, that's it. All right. Cool. Ryan, let's go to you. What have you been listening to lately? 
Uh, I've been listening to a band that I'm trying to remember where I heard of them because I don't know. Future Islands. I think it was just some rando person on Facebook had mentioned them. Uh, and I started by listening to their second most recent album. And I was really taken with it. It's called On the Water. It's kind of more of an experimental sound than what I really like. And the vocals for the, uh, the lead singer just kind of all over the place. And it fluctuates between this... I can only describe it as like an operatic growl uh, into like a really nice harmony. I, it's really strange. It's a, it's a really interesting vocal side of it mixed with the more experimental sound. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's really hard to describe. I, I recommend you guys at least try listening to it. it it's really compelling and it's really good. I keep, I've listened to it both of uh, On the Water and their new album Singles. Uh, a lot over the last couple weeks they've been it's really interesting i think av club featured them as well oh um, maybe maybe that's their, where I heard in their newest like they're up and coming or something like that oh, okay maybe that's where where i got them from i don't know but yeah i, I definitely recommend checking them out uh good stuff very cool very cool uh will let's move on to you what you've been up to uh, well, since our discussion on the previous episode about the Batman Forever soundtrack, I've gotten <laughs> back into Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Um, I mean, I'm, nice. I'm never really out of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, but I've, I really got back into uh, Dig Lazarus Dig from 2008, um, which has a lot more of a, a kind of gospel groove. Um, it's still got that dirty Nick Cave feel, but there's all this organ that, that had been missing some from some previous uh, efforts that I was just really getting back into. Um, and so that and um, Jamiroquai's Dynamite from 2007 also really uh, kind of like popped back into my mind. Um, I think getting just it's starting to be a little spring-like, and I kind of wanted that, you know, seven days in sunny June kind of vibe. Uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I forgot that I liked Jamiroquai. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not like, you know, I don't, I don't like have t-shirts or anything, but you know, I, I, I you, you mentioned him. ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned him and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Well, cool. Very cool. I, um, actually you mentioned springtime. I'm trying at least to have spring in my heart, even though the Kansas weather is refusing to cooperate with us today. It's like 50 degrees today and cold and gray and rainy all week, and it's been a bummer. And uh, for me, one of my happy place, brighter days ahead kind of albums is uh, No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom, which is, it's again, it's one of these albums, you know, everyone owned it in like the mid-90s. I mean, And I mean everyone owned that album. And it, it's one of those ones you think, oh, mid-90s rock. I don't, I don't love a lot of mid-90s rock, but that one has aged really well for me, um, partially because it doesn't actually sound like a lot of other mid-90s bands. There's a lot more uh, 80s and 70s music that's been kind of uh, pulled into it, and so it's got a lot more of the the ska and the new wave and the funk. And it's, it's it, the, you know, there's 14 tracks. They all sound reasonably different and are reasonably catchy and occasionally brilliant catchy and I so I've been enjoying that a lot I've also on the on because I don't want to get too happy I've been listening to some joy division um, <laughs> I, uh, I every now and then I come back to their debut album uh, unknown pleasures which 
is a is a gorgeous album um, in the most depressing way possible. Um, one of the things I like about them, and I'm sure this has been written by someone else much more advanced than I am in, in the world of rock history, but uh, I, I really like Ian Curtis's voice on the two albums that, that Joy Division put out. I, I like it because you don't often get a rock voice that's a baritone, and he sings it a lot lower than you, you frequently hear, and I think that that's something that sets it apart and also gives it that sort of chilly sound as well. Um, he doesn't sound as... Uh, I guess uh, angelic as a lot of those really, you know, those uh, angelic is a strong word, but you, you, you know what I mean. He's not going for the high notes. He's he's okay to kind of be down in the low end, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I, I like the song "She's Lost Control" a lot, especially. I don't know. That's that one always sticks with me whenever I um, revisit that album. So, uh, John, let's hear what you've been up to. Going back to like the mid '90s or mid to late '90s rock that you know probably no one really cares about at all anymore um i've I've listened to a decent amount of new radicals oh Oh, wow whoa (laughs) what smells like 1998 dude i'll tell you what um greatest one album band that i've ever listened to as far as um, from that era, because there were a lot of people, a lot of bands in the mid '90s that like, even with all those from that era, that still is just oh. <laughs> I I love that album. The maybe Actually, even brainwashed too. Um, yeah, you know, I, isn't that the guy? And it's not like they just broke up. It's like the guy thought he got bored of being in the band and just broke him up after one album, didn't he? It was it, some, I, it, he basically he 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 basically his own ideals caught up with him um, when he had a couple things that were successful. Um, huh. So, again, I know it's easy to make fun, but I really, really enjoy that album. Um, some really good gems on it. Um, some of it's, you know, eh, but there's a good majority of the stuff that I really, really like. Um, and it's not the stuff that was on the radio. Is it safe um, to say that you've got the music in you? <laughs> one last chance, yeah. Um, <laughs> you keep so... lobbing them to us, and we keep hitting them out of the park. <laughs> so anyway that that was something that was recent um i went back and listened to a good amount of m83 just because i really really like them i'm not a huge fan of their most recent album mainly because it doesn't really sound like there's any real substance um like it's not actually songs maybe it's just like vocal noise but their, uh, you know, Saturdays uh, equals youth and uh, Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. Both albums are amazing. And I know I saw on a companion site that Aaron was talking about that they had listened to, they had mentioned Hurry Up, We're Dreaming as one of the most overplayed, overhyped albums on their list. And I instantly hated them for it. Um, because I love that I love disagree that album. with me <laughs> I, I really love that album and I and you know there's a reason why it's their most popular so that and I, I mean we mentioned the killers a little bit on the last one when talking about you two um, I went back and listened to day and age um, and specifically my favorite track from that which is kind of again not one of the radio plays this is your life um, awesome groove oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like fun that song. fun song um, 
So you know that's, the that's... The, uh, the distinguishing thing I remember about Day and Age is that song. Are are we human or are we dancer? <laughs> I can't I can't say the song and not giggle. Like I, it's awesome. a, yeah, it's it's not a bad. I, it's as the song itself goes, it's not bad. But that that it's lyric so, is so brain and flowers. It is it is such a killer's lyric. <laughs> it's like, are we human or are we dancer? I don't know, man. That's a good question. So I <laughs> only somebody with I, a rhinestone keyboard could ever sing that song with now thinking what am i doing so yeah <laughs> what have i done with my life i'm and singing I think this song in the video when he's doing that he's wearing like this it almost looks like a boa but it's like a a feathered coat boy it's, i'm glad oh, man, I, it's, he it's would almost there. have to be he would almost have to be i think amazing wow. in concert though all right well on, on that note i think we have to uh get this train wreck rolling and start talking about a playlist war between Will and Aaron. All right, folks, the playlist war is a new feature on the takedown notice. Um, here's what's going to happen. Uh, Aaron, as instead of picking an album for this uh, episode, Aaron picked an artist and uh, challenged one of us, and since none of us took him up on it, uh, Will did, and um, each one of them are going to create a five, ha- have created already a five-song playlist. Uh, uh, they, these are all using different songs. They didn't use any of the same songs between them. Um, the idea is is that they will each share their five-song playlists, uh, share them with the, the other three of us, and the three of us will vote on uh, which one we like better. And I should also say, that, and I don't—I didn't consult with anyone. I'm—I'm I'm making a, a shotgun decision. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm acting the way I act best, which is unilaterally. Uh, we, there is going to be consequences for losing this. The loser is going to have to do a uh, five-minute report in the next episode on a really terrible song that I found. So you're going to have to listen to it, and no one else is going to have to. Ouch. So, and I—and I did found an awful one. I—I I found one that I listened to it once, and. I, it was running in my head the rest of the day, and I. It is exactly what if Aaron loses, it's exactly what he deserves for for making us listen to Toto. And if Will loses, Wait. well, Will, you know, sorry man, but you're gonna have to do it then. Nate, I have a quick question. Yes. I realize I gotta pay my dues. It's it's not, it, not a problem. Can we uh, punish Aaron in some way, regardless of the outcome, <laughs> because? He it. Well, we'll. I don't well, want to say too much. Punish... Let's continue. Yeah. Before we go on. <laughs> All right, all right. Yeah. Oh, well, Aaron, uh, what band did you select? Well, if you were listening last time, you already know, but The Great Toto. It's not, the band's not called The Great Toto. It's just called Toto. Yeah, how about you give us a little bit of background on Toto so we yeah. can, uh, so can kind of have some context before you and Will share what the playlists are. So, yeah, would, Toto is... In short, a super group that's consisting of high school friends who became studio musicians. There's the Procaro brothers. Jeff Procaro is the drummer, probably the most prominent studio musician. Mike Procaro plays bass eventually, and Steve Procaro plays keyboards early on and later. But then there's also David Page, keys and composer, uh, and the great Steve Lukather on guitar. So anyway, all these guys were playing uh, lots of shows. Uh, probably early on... Um, Jeff Picaro and uh, David Page were doing stuff with Steely Dan, which is kind of a jazz rock thing from the mid-70s and into the early 80s. Picaro played on Pretzel Logic and Katie Lied. You may know Bad Sneakers. Uh, it's a song from Katie Lied. They're both kind of involved with that. Uh, I like it. 
which is another thing we're going to get to. If you like Steely Dan, you're probably going to like Toto a little bit, but if you don't, there you go. Um, but also, they, they played on a lot of more prominent artists. A lot of these guys, uh, Jeff, Mike, and uh, David Page, all played on uh, Seals and Crofts albums, a couple of them. And most prominently, a lot of the guys played on Boz Skaggs' key album from 1976 called Silk Degrees. You probably know uh, Lowdown. Or maybe the, the Lido Shuffle. So one of those is great, but uh, Lukather also uh, played on with Boz on the ne- next album. So all these guys were just kind of playing on these late 70s studio albums. Uh, and even some of the singers that later came in, Bobby Kimball was their initial singer. He he was a stu- backup vocalist for Leo Sayer, and all the other guys were playing on some of the late Leo Sayer albums. So all this is to say, they're a super group that was doing studio musicians for really slick West Coast pop albums, um, and they decided to form a band, and they called it Toto because they wanted to play a whole bunch of different styles. They're very diverse musicians, and so Toto kind of encompassing everything. There's a Latin phrase, I think, that involves it. But anyway, so they kind of appeared in 1978 with a self-titled album, and uh Really how I came to know them is through studying, doing research uh, on studio musicians myself, particularly session drummers, and found out about Jeff Piccaro, who's great, and realized he was playing on lots of important things, got to know the band, and realized they were all session musicians playing on things. And even though that's kind of leading up to their first album, once they became a band, they still played sessions a lot. Most importantly, they were the key studio musicians behind Michael Jackson's album, Thriller. Um, several other ones as well, but um, uh, now did uh, who, what was the name of the keyboardist? Did he do the keyboards on Thriller? Uh, Steve Ricardo did do a lot of the keyboards on. That's actually Thriller. I was actually I've read a couple articles on how good the keyboards are on that album, and that's actually one of the the, the like the I I've talked about it on our last episode, but that's that's kind of one of the secret weapons of that album is how how well the keys are executed. So there you and go. Fun fun story there, just to kind of complete that Thriller story. Steve Ricardo wrote Human Nature. Uh, from that album and that and, is a great uh, song it's I, a very I, nice song and yeah. Steve Steve wrote that one and actually Toto perform, made the uh, really brief uh, demo for Michael Jackson to listen to um, hmm. and so they're, they cool. got their hands in everything and not just this the members that end up playing in Toto later on 10 years later they were the same guys that were playing in the sessions for the Michael Jackson thing. Greg Philangenis, I think that's how you say his name, was playing keys on the Thriller album also. He later fills in. So this is really a family of studio musicians that have been playing with each other, decided to make a band. Okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, that's that's some background for listeners on Toto. Um, we're going to start with some opening statements now. And I'm, I'm asking each of our uh, adversaries here to just take a few minutes to explain the five songs they picked. They each picked a five song playlist. Uh, and they, I believe that we, we required them to be uh, unique songs. Um, Will, we're going to start with you. Give us a quick rundown of the five songs you picked. Um, 
And just to, if you want, just a couple of little brief statements on why you picked them, just to kind of introduce us to what your list was here. Sure. Um, I chose these not as a top five, uh, like, best Toto songs ever, but more like, what Toto songs can I pick and choose from? First, that Aaron hadn't already claimed, but second, that I can kind of make a cohesive list out of, because as Aaron said, the, you know, the, even the name is supposed to be all encompassing. So a lot of their music is just all over the map. And so yeah. I wanted to try and tie it together at least a little bit. So what I came up with was first on my track list was All Supply the Love, uh, which was off of their debut album. Followed by Caught in the Balance. Which was off of a later album. Minefields from 99. Minefields, yep. yeah. And uh, after that, number three, I have Without Your Love, which was off of 1986's Fahrenheit. Followed by The Turning Point, off of 1995's Taboo. And closing up with Rockmaker, again off of their debut album from 1978. My thought behind this list was not just what can I do with what hasn't been taken, but also how do these songs kind of tie into the Toto narrative that I kind of pieced <laughs> together for myself? And the title Rockmaker, it, it really breaks down into, I feel like, what gets to the heart of a session musician. That you are a guy whose job it is to come in and crank this rock music widget to produce something that people will find listenable. You are a rock maker. Just like the guy down the street is a McDonald's hamburger maker. And <laughs> so that's how I wanted to tie it up. Taking an artistic endeavor and making it entirely perfunctory. That is the essence of Toto right there. Thank you, Will. While I think Rockmaker brings it all together in that regard, I feel like some of the other tracks I chose, while generally listenable, um, capture other essences of Toto. Like, and, and what I mean by that is where they, they start off with a great hook and then they rip it away when they come to the chorus. That happens a lot in Without Your Love. And then primarily beyond that was just the sheer musicianship that was prevalent in almost all of these songs. Um, like, clearly these are men who know what they're doing as far as, you know, bringing together, the, getting the tone they want, getting that, that song to, to sound like it sounded in Whosever Head wrote it. Um, but at the same time, then going beyond that, kind of out into that strange twilight netherworld in which fish exists, where kind of the song ends and the groove begins 
And while people who like pop music know that you're supposed to stop before you hit that, the guys in Toto don't seem to. I could totally see that. And yeah, that's totally kind of so. I wanted to make sure I got that in all of my songs, but at the same time have them be songs that, for the most part, I didn't hate. Okay, duly yeah. noted. Aaron, a ringing endorsement. Ringing endorsement. <laughs> this is going to be an episode uh-huh. of ringing endorsements. We'll, we'll we'll just call that. That's there's our title. An episode of Ringing Endorsements. Aaron, I, I've, I'd like to hear why you picked what you did. Yeah, I want to first say I, I appreciate Will's list because of the way he, he chose it. I think he does capture an important part of what Toto's doing, except I happen to like the music a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just let's go from there. But my list is much more, I think, what a Toto fan would say. Um and yes, those exist. Most of them are outside of the United States, it turns out. It does um, seem like the kind of band to be famous in, like, Germany or something. I don't know. Oh, yes. Everywhere. <laughs> I, everywhere. Which is, which is really, it's, that I, that probably says a lot about how I view Germany. But I, you know, it just seems, it has, like, German, you know, famous in Germany written all over it. I don't know. They also love David Hasselhoff. They do. Which I don't, I don't have any real particular problem with David Hasselhoff. Just, so yeah. anyway, um... <laughs> Um, moving on the list I, I put mine in order uh because i have some definite opinions on what my favorite songs are so i think i'll start with my number one song uh which is pamela from their uh seventh album entitled the seventh one my favorite song uh just kind of really uh nice groove with the bass interacting with the drums perfect feel i love the different sections of the song the pre-chorus the chorus with the explosion of the vocals um very nice instrumental bridge etc so i'm really big into pamela uh same album stop loving you now this song when i chose this i was thinking someone even a toto fan is thinking you idiot this is a terrible song Someone's thinking that somewhere. Guilty. Hey, hey, don't worry, Aaron. I was thinking that for all the songs. So. Every five seconds, okay. someone who listens to Toto thinks Stop Let Me Use a Terrible Song. But I really like this song, partly because it has a great atmosphere, the groove. I love the, the introduction of the uh, auxiliary percussion, like the congas and all that stuff in the background. It really fits perfectly into the groove, the way it's um, kind of mixed and everything. And both those songs have the lead singer joseph williams on it yes that is the son of john williams the film composer um and before you claimed it it was in my shortlist too just so you know it's a good track I like Stop Loving You a lot, and he's Joseph Williams is one of a lot of people's favorite singers in a lot of ways, either Joseph or Bobby Kimball. But other fun fact about Joseph Williams before we move on, he is the singing voice of the adult Simba in Disney's The Lion King. It means no worries for the rest of your days. 
it turns out I've memorized far more of his songs than I realized. Because I, yes, I, I, yes. I, I was, <laughs> I, I was once on a bus like in some youth group trip, and they played The Lion King, and I swear everyone knew every line. Like people were reciting the whole movie front to back, and so he's that has probably been his most lasting contribution to music, even past Toto. And I say that not to d- diminish Toto, but just to diminish what a big deal it is that he that had a singing voice in The Lion King. So those are two of my two favorite songs, but that's oddly that does not reflect my favorite albums at all. Um, oh God, do you have whole favorite albums of them? How do you do it? <laughs> it's possible. Aaron, what are you made of? We'll get you... to this. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> the third single is Africa, which is from their their ma- uh... major album Toto Four from 1982. Um. <laughs> It is. It won album of the year 1983. Even though it was released in 82, it turned out it carried over and won in 83. Um, but anyway, Africa was kind of this... It kind of sounds like generic world music, as it was called, as we might call it now. But like back in the early 80s, there wasn't really world music. So this is kind of like a early instance of kind of mainstream world music in a way, which in a way makes it sound a little more... Uh, come across a little more kitschy, maybe, or something. But... Um, but anyway, I, I really the groove is great. It's I like the tune. I like how they kind of change up the uh, the eight bars of a normal like musical section and do three plus five instead of four plus four. I think you can hear that with uh, the basic groove. Um, that's number three. Hold the line from my favorite album is number four. It's uh, from the self-titled album, 1978. Definitely my favorite track on the favorite album, even though it's only number four for me overall. Great soulful kind of ad-lib vocals at the end. I love how Bobby Kimball just kind of changes up the vocals and is expressive that way. And this was their first hit. It reached number five. It was the first time they heard themselves on the radio. It was a big deal. Um, Georgie Porgy is my number five. Now I have to qualify this. I hate a lot of this song. I kind of actually hate the chorus. I mean, so it was number five. It would be higher probably, but the chorus is so obnoxious. Um, By the time it gets to the end. We have a backup singer, Cheryl Lynn, who's a kind of disco R&B soul singer from the late 70s. You may have heard her hit Got To Be Real from 1978. The keyboardist David Page helped write this with her, and uh, Lukather played on the track as well. That makes total sense now. 
is the same year, 1978. So this is why Cheryl Lynn, another big singer from the 70s, she's on this track singing Georgie Porgy. And, but I, I found that super obnoxious at the end. But I loved the smooth groove at the beginning. And this is what makes Toto great. Yes. <laughs> Listen in real carefully. This is it. <laughs> Just a su- super smooth R&B kind of groove that Bacaro plays. And the kind of jazzy... Um, kind of chord progression and smooth vocal delivery. I think Lukather is pretty pretty good there. Um, the guitar player is one of the lead singers as well. So Georgie Porgy, just because of everything but the chorus, gets it into my top five. Okay. So, so there we go. We have Will and Aaron have each uh, they've each shared their playlist, kind of their logic behind it. I'm gonna give each of us a few minutes to kind of give our overall impressions of Toto and maybe a. Uh, kind of the highlights that stood out to us on from these playlists and uh, then we'll kind of kick back and forth with the with the contestants to discuss maybe why they should or shouldn't have uh have picked what they did ryan you seem to have some strong opinions on toto oh god damn it nate (laughs) let's let's go ahead and start with you so that we can get this out of the way and you won't be here you know all all clenched up Uh, for the rest of the episode yeah oh my god okay so many thoughts on this um you know, when we listen to things, even if I don't really like it, like with Slayer, I listened to that song that we chose several times, and I came around on it, and I, you know, I could see. With this playlist, I can only listen to it once, and I would cue it up another time, and it would kick in, and I would just... There's like, okay, so when I get angry, my wife tells me that there's a vein in my forehead that, like, starts to pop out a little bit. And Toto just was pushing that button so hardcore, so it just had that anger in me, so I couldn't really listen to it. So, if my impressions are a little simplistic, that's kind of why, because I just couldn't dig back into it. Uh, here's what I wrote. I wrote a lot of notes on this when I was listening to it, because I knew that <laughs> I written, wouldn't be going back. They're written like single space really <laughs> tightly, and they're like scrawled all over the walls of his apartment. And no, no. <laughs> thankfully, I wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote these on Google Notes, so it's saved to the cloud. First of all, why is Pamela five minutes long? Doesn't make any sense. Agree 100%. Also, pan flutes. Why are there pan flutes in every goddamn song? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Also, I was thinking, like, what is this? What is this quote-unquote music? It's the inverse of rock and roll. So it's like, you just flip it over, and that's what this is. I did think the bass guy was pretty good. He had some good bass grooves. But if the bass groove is, like, the best part of your music, I don't know. I I just don't know. Tell that to Jack White. Oh, no, that's not true. Jack White does lots of great things. Shut your whore mouth. Anyway. uh, (laughs) We'll come back to that, Van Volkenberg. The other thing about Toto, the interesting thing was that it all (laughs) sounded like music from the worst Sonic the Hedgehog uh, video game. Like, it just sounded like that, but like the rejected music. Like, it wasn't even good enough for (laughs) Sonic the Hedgehog soundtrack. Aaron, Uh, when you're doing doing an edit of this, I expect a mashup (laughs) of the Sonic the Hedgehog theme and... And, uh, I know exactly huh. the lick you're talking about. You do, <laughs> right? Right? It's it's. Yeah. I'm thinking of the casino level. That's what I'm thinking of. Like that. They tried. They lobbied for it. They're like Sega. We got some fat beats for you. And they're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, nope, not gonna do it. Oh, 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 oh. 
Uh, I also thought at one point that this was the musical equivalent of Millhouse from The Simpsons. Like, it's just <laughs> reaching, it's trying so hard. And if this all came together for me, though, when I found out that they were studio musicians, because it's like they know what good music is. They know what it's supposed to sound like, and to a degree they can replicate it, but they can't give it life. It's like if Geppetto didn't have fingers, but he just had stumps, and he could, like, (laughs) sort of, you know, like, make the forms, but there was no life to it. There was no... I don't know. I don't know. And then lastly, my final thought, the best way I could think to sum it up was, this is the Thomas Kincaid of rock and roll music. Like, it's technically astute, and I can see that there's something there, but it's just this panoply of shit. I don't know. I don't know how else. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, so... Feels man. good to get that out because man, guys. How about I'm you go insane. and wipe while we uh while we let um <laughs> we let John take this next one and, and provide maybe a bit of a a bit of balance to what's going on over here. That would be fine. We have we have spoken a lot of ill of Toto. We've had a lot of fun at their expense, but uh actually I do I, I do want John to to talk next because John John is much more uh he he appreciates him a lot more than definitely uh, Ryan does. So I John, let's hear what you have to say. Okay, so my initial feeling upon hearing Aaron say that he was selecting Toto was I wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> this is why we do Google Hangouts. Yes, instead of in, in reality. Um, because it seems that while I was growing up and listening to music, the one thing about Toto that can really mess with you is that they changed singers so many damn times. I didn't even know that I knew Toto songs. So I started listening to Toto um, because I, even even that freaking Slayer song, I gave it multiple listens because I was going to force myself to. You're better than me. I, I found that I'm like, oh my gosh, I know this song. This is Toto. Then I, I went the to the same response. Oh my gosh, I know this song. This is Toto? This isn't even the same singer. What the heck is going on? So, and I found that these were a lot of the songs from the 80s that I was like, man, I don't even know who this is, but I really like it. Um, I know, I know. That's not the response everyone else got. Um, But it basically then spurred me on to be like, you know what? I need to go and actually know what I've been listening to and get a little bit more understanding. I don't agree with Aaron's top five for me. Um, but I also don't agree with Will's. Pamela um, is the worst. <laughs> Pamela is so awful. Pamela, no, Pamela no. you're all Philistines. You don't appreciate Toto. <laughs> uh, so Pamela is an amazing song. It definitely is in my top five. Um, but for me, I guess the reason why I enjoy it is I've always enjoyed 80s synth music. Um, and... Uh, Part of me has a like a guilty pleasure for uh, clean pop. Um, you know, I, I this is going to get me so much reamed, but I enjoyed the Backstreet Boys because I really think that technically they were sound um, in their singing, and I was able to disconnect myself from the fact that you know 
I'm a man, I shouldn't be listening to the Backstreet Boys, I'm not a 13 year old girl. So in, in the same way, Toto kind of captured me because I was, I know that I should be only listening to this if I'm a music nerd that really just digs into the technical aspect of Toto. It really hit me upside the head because I was expecting to hate every minute of this uh, challenge. And then it hit me like a disease. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> that's one thing Ryan may agree with me yes, on is that it's somehow a disease. A <laughs> um, like a disease. Yep. <laughs> But it, it infected me, and the one thing is now I hear it all over the place. I was sitting at work today, and they played four four Toto songs, four, on my playlist at, at work. I didn't create it. People in corporate America played it because that's what people yep. listen to with money. That's fucking Toto right there, guys. That is Toto. It's Muzak. It's oh, – I'm going to uh, stop. Sorry. But no, I – You I, had your turn, I, Steiner. I, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, Sorry, I have to keep my mouth shut. Shut your mouth. You have nothing to contribute this positive. Um, so anyway, that all that goes to say that I really enjoy Toto. I, I think that um there are some some tracks that got missed, which I'll you know, I'll let Nate go before I go into any more detail because I don't wanna grandstand here. Aaron and I are obviously the only ones who really like Toto, so I don't want this to be one sided. Um so I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna let Nate, Nate go. Yeah, you know, I um, this is, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm going in two directions here. Uh, on one hand, I um, I I'm much closer to Ryan's feelings than John's. Not quite that venomous. Um, and there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, I should say my only exposure to Toto before this was the song Africa, which is easily their best known song as far as I can tell. Aaron, is that is that yeah, oh, yeah accurate? definitely one hundred percent correct. I listened to that song, and it is now... One of the things that's tough to wade through with Toto is that this has not aged well in terms of how music now sounds. Um, this is... It's very much a product of the late 70s, early 80s, and even even the later period stuff, it seems like they were still kind of... You know, it's it's in that... It's just a very, a very slick, um, very produced kind of sound, and it's not it's just not in favor anymore whatsoever. I mean, it, uh, certainly not for rock music, I should say. I mean, if, if you're going to do rock that's this produced, it's going to be a little more, um, it, it's, it's going to have a little more, uh, you know, skis to it. Just, just you know, so I, it's something like The Killers, which are a very produced 80s synth kind of band, but have a little more edge to it than this does. This has no edge. The edge has been polished off completely. And so because of that, it's, my initial thing is revulsion, just because this isn't at all a style that I'm into. However, I, I really like Africa. I think I, I do think that's a really good song, and I've known that song for a long time, and I think that says something about the quality of it at, at, at its basic songwriting. And Will, you know, it's like what you said, how they'll find a, a hook and then wander away from it repeatedly. I, I, I think mm -hmm. they're good at actually, I, they hold on to it in that song. Um, and I feel like that's actually, it's stronger because of it. A couple other songs that stood out to me, I, I really liked I'll Supply the Love, which is weird. And I think I liked it because of the, I like the coda it goes into at the end where it suddenly just, it changes time signatures and it goes into this weird, it's it's clearly from a different song. They just thought it would sound good there. But it's sort of like, well, I'm, I'm, at least that? I'm not bored. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm not bored. I'm, I'm into Why, this now. Well, we'll never know. It's kind of a pro it's kind of a prog moment. Yeah, like yeah, it is. It moment. is a very prog yeah. moment. Um, That's true. Well, and it sounds like the other bands at the time that were successful. 
Yeah, uh, that that I'd have to do I mean, more it's research very on. Foreigner. But yeah, well, that's no, that's true. Um, I wouldn't want to. They sound like foreigner in a way, but but the the progressive aspect they're clearly much. Yeah, that's all yeah, I get saying, that. But I'm but not saying that they are foreigner. I'm saying yeah. that that song emulated foreigner as well as they could. I will relent and admit that Africa is the least bad song of the bunch. <laughs> yeah, it's the one that I would not cry if I heard again. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Uh, Africa, it has, like you said, it has a hook. It sticks with it. Well, and I, 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 I think for me personally, I, I've lived in, I lived in Africa for a little while, and so there's, which is, it has nothing to do with African music that I'm familiar with, but not in a bad way at all. It's just, you know, it, it does have that kind of world beat, kind of feel yes. to it, and there is a, there is a sort of word picture that's painted with it, and I do appreciate that, and so I think that's kind of just a personal connection I've had, and you know, there's, I generally think they fare better on the, on the more upbeat stuff. I like Hold the Line, all right. Um, Will, what was your second song? Uh, Caught in the Balance. Mm-hmm. I, I like that one uh, fairly well. Um, the ballads are—they are interminable. They're just never-ending to me. I—I yeah. I, I had um, Pamela was tough for me to get through. I don't know if we would really call that a ballad, but that song—I mean, it's—it's it's like some of these ballads were like having a really terrible dry sandwich, and you have to eat the whole thing. And with every <laughs> with every mouthful, you just feel it like sticking in your throat, and you have to swallow it and get this down and get through the whole enormous dry sandwich. This sandwich is terrible. Where you go, they always give you this misshaped, shoddy meat. The worst of all, and the worst song on either playlist is by far Georgie Porgy. It is, oh, a, it is a dreadful oh, yeah. song, Aaron. And when you say That's you hate awful. the chorus, but it is all that. It is all this sort no, of... No, 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 no. It's so Ooh, Georgie Porgy man. was on my short list of good tracks before Aaron oh, took it. Oh, boy. I, yeah. I but just... unlike Aaron, I like the chorus. You like the oh, chorus? Man, Will. I might like, have to. You didn't. You well, didn't put it on your list, but I might have to give you a demerit just for saying that. <laughs> Boy, I, 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 I think that was the one that I was. I mean, most of the rest, if I didn't like it, it was more just kind of a bland. I don't like this, and it wasn't right. like, I, I. But man, Georgie Porgy, that was like I am losing the will to live. I. It just. It was. It, it, I. I really genuinely hated that song, and I think it was. This. This is not. I. I don't like getting really sticklery like this but it was even to the point where i just i hate saying the word georgie porgy like i just feel like <laughs> oh, you just feel what? filthy yeah, when you say it, just, it. you just it feel dirty, dirty. Well, it is gross. about a guy basically taking advantage of women but well, I, yeah it, it is. is i mean it's just it's a oh just dreadful i just hated 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 that song um that song was most terrible. but you know most of it is not that bad it's just it's just colorless to me um if i can belabor another food metaphor it was like the the musical equivalent of those circus peanut candies, you know, where I, I I eat one and I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. I eat two and I'm like, I think I might be kind of done. And by the time you've had five, you're like physically by the time you get to ill. Yeah, exactly. The last one is the Georgie Porgy circus peanut, and you're like, I think I might die. This might kill me. And I and you know what I found is actually I I listened because I listened to a lot of this and I I tried hard. There were some songs I still couldn't tell you the the the, the actual tune of. Like to me, I I listened to Pamela. It had to be a dozen times, and I still like in my head I cannot call forth the tune in my head. 
Um, and which to me is like, that is useless to me. Like, I, I don't know why that, and which is weird. I, I feel like, what's wrong with me? But I remember lots of other songs. So it must just, I, all I can assume is that the song is, I just like disliked it that much. I listened to it so much at one, and one day that I was like, I got to listen to something else. And then I realized I don't want to listen to anything else. I had lost the will to listen to music after listening to so much Toto in one sitting. Wow, the hyperbole in no, this I, conversation I, is I, out of this I, world. I'm not even exaggerating on that part. Like, I was like, I, I got to the end of it, and I said, I don't want to listen to anything. Like, no, this... I totally, I, 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 I kind of get what you're saying, and I think this is a difference, and this is this is kind of a topic with a band like Toto, and like a lot of other groups. For instance, Steely Dan. No one really knows much about Steely Dan, but... It takes a certain patience with Steely Dan, in a way. But mm-hmm. the problem yeah. I see that everyone has, not John necessarily, and it's not a problem per se, but it's something that you're not approaching it the same way I am, is I agree. I mean, I don't necessarily like all the songwriting in itself, but I want to hear Toto do it. And there's a big difference between, let's just say, for instance, uh, the Boss Gags album, Silk Degrees late 70s slick groove pop stuff right right david page is the keyboardist he like wrote most of the songs on the boss gags big album okay so if you're not into that because it sounds it's anti-rock it's not that and of course it is this is a lot of disco oriented stuff um in the late 70s uh then, then you're already on the wrong side of what i value in toto so like pamela I like the song as a song, but I really don't want to hear like some other band do it. It would be terrible. Like that's not what what it's yeah. about is listening to Jeff the, the tight groove that Jeff Procaro right. has with the bass and how the vocals kind of work with the guitar and all this stuff. And all of their music is about for me is a certain appreciation in getting into and attuning yourself to the slick groove in a certain way and if you're if you don't get on board with that then there's not a lot of toto there there's a lot of cliche um songs that would be better which sound like a song that's not as good as like hold the line for instance it's a cool song but it's not as good as like what it's kind of copying like boston the self-titled boston like more than a feeling or something it's not as good as that stuff but if you are paying attention in a certain way with Toto, you, there's a different appreciation because where I would disagree with the Thomas Kincaid analogy is you, there is a way, I believe, of looking at Toto and seeing the perfect execution of what they're doing and the slick kind of groove aspect. How many times are we going to hear slick groove? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. But um, that I think is... But that in some ways, part. unmatched in a lot of the stuff, and just their their overall just technical prowess is is there in a lot of subtle ways. That I think if if you're not into that, then I get yeah. totally not getting it. But that's that's where well, I resonate I th- with it a lot. Yeah, and I and I think I mean we're coming down to really just we we all listen to music for different reasons. And now yeah. I, I think John is coming this coming at this from a different. I mean he I'm sure he appreciates the musicianship. And I I mean and. Like Aaron said, you hear you hear like individual parts and like, oh, that's that's technically very well executed. Um, and I and I think that and I think that there's a lot of merit to that. John was having resonance because he recognized a lot of the songs, which is also that that also gets a foot in the door for someone. Um, because I don't I have no emotional attachment to a, a single song here besides arguably Africa. Um, so this is the first time I'm hearing nine of nine of these ten songs was for this 
this podcast. And so, you know, I mean, John, John's right. I'm, I'm using some hyperbole here because when you hate something or when you don't like something, it's more fun to say you hate it than it is to just be kind of lukewarm mm. about it, you know, and that's true. I, I really did hate Georgie Porgy. I, I mean, that was that was really off. I didn't like Pamela at all. Um, Without Your Love fared a little better. Uh, I think it may be just because even it's shorter. I, I mean, but it, I, it might not be. I don't actually have the, the run lengths in front of me. So I totally get what you're saying, Aaron, but it's it's really hard. I, well, I th- here's a litmus. Go ahead, yeah. A litmus Sorry. test, real quick. Georgie Porgia, we all, most of us kind of, maybe not Will, hated the, the chorus. Um, but, like, just tell me about the opening 30 seconds. I'm just curious. Like, when that opening kind of drum groove with the, with the kind of keyboard that's kind of, kind of happening. To me... If you don't if you if you don't like that, then you you shouldn't you won't like Toto. Period. Correct. So I'm yeah, just curious, what I, did I you guys? To me, to me, it sounded like a '70s TV theme. Um, okay. It had this sort of. I would argue that the opening okay. to Georgie Porgy, and I don't. I got to be very careful how I say this. It's hard to seriously dislike the groove of the verse of Georgie Porgy. And like Michael Jackson's verses. To some extent, but I think there's an energy about Michael Jackson that is not coming through in I'm this. not talking about uh, the performer, think, because I know that sets it apart. Right. That's the I, I whole mean, difference between the, Journey pre-Steve yeah. Perry and Journey after with Steve right. Perry. Can I, I can get I, that. So, you know, I, okay, I want to articulate and not just spew rage everywhere. Um, <laughs> the thing that gets me, or rather doesn't get me, is it all just feels so soulless and calculated. Like, they know what a good groove sounds like, and so they will execute that good groove perfectly. But there's no... There's no artistic, to me, no artistic compulsion there. I don't get a why for any of this. And I and I know that that's, like, a different kind of music than what I'm used to, but that's why... That's why it just is so almost offensive to me. Is it's yeah. like it's only coming from a place of, oh man, guys, we got this slick groove. Let's lay it down, you know. Like, let and me it clarify doesn't... what I mean when I say technical, because I think we're getting a little bit off track with talking about oh, Toto's wonderful because they're technically perfect. What, what what I think is they are technically perfect, but what's better is they're expressively perfect for what they're doing. And and, and I and I know you would disagree at an artistic kind of like meta songwriting yeah. level but as far as it's not simply that oh they're just so cleaned up they just can play things perfectly they're robots no they're like this is really good music at that level and whether it's good music beyond that is another thing like that's what i would argue is this is extremely expressive playing like m- probably most bands don't have at that level and if you don't like the song that's another thing but like it's not simply a technical thing. It, it's great musicianship yeah. as expression. I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that Ryan didn't push his Toto listening ship past the playlists. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely did not. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm trying to think of with more the analogies. pieces that were selected. I would, I can, I'm going to concede that I could see how you would feel with the selected pieces that there's not a ton of emotion. Um, maybe argument with Pamela, but. Um, there are some other songs that I think that if you listen to them you would actually hear a lot more emotional attachment Uh, some of the things like um, uh, I Won't Hold You Back
I will remember. I mean, they're slower songs for sure. Yeah. Um, Where I was going with that, though, is like, I say that, but I think one of the reasons Africa does kind of work for me is because it, it, it seems to have a reason to exist outside of itself. Like, you you feel something when you listen to it, or at least I did that I didn't feel with the other songs. Like it's going somewhere. It has a it has a point. You know they're trying they're trying to say something with it. I felt you like, know I, uh, I I'm sorry I, I'm I'm gonna interject something here because I think that this might be kind of the tension where I think Ryan might find himself. I was reading up uh, Ryan and I. I mean this is on, on the AV Club they used to have a guy who wrote for them uh, Noel Murray who I think he writes for another website called The Dissolve now. I, I think sometimes. He doesn't do a lot of music writing as far as I know anymore, but he did a column once and a column he did called Popless, and he talked about all the groups he had in his music collection. And he talked about Toto, and he said that because there are a lot of studio musicians, there was always kind of this tension between in their music, are we going to be a jam band? Or are we going to be like the singer-songwriter top 40 hits kind of band? Now, the conclusion he came to was that they, it ended up with some solid singles, and the example he used was Africa. Uh, I would say it sounds like they kind of want to have it both ways. I know Ryan and I, I'm, I'm a little more accepting of that kind of very polished 80s pop sound than Ryan is. I know that. Um, I think there's a lot of initial revulsion that's going on from that, because I think we immediately associate that with kind of a bland kind of idea uh, to hear to, Ron, uh, Aaron to go back to your question about the groove it sounded like a 70s TV show to me but part of that is just because I mean it's like saying okay here's a, a, a meal I prepared uh, what did you think of the milk that I used at the beginning it's like <laughs> I, I, I don't know it was milk it was fine you know and so and so to compare that to a different thing like well they use the same kind of thing in Michael Jackson's song well I guess it's just it was a common thing at the time the problem with Georgie Porgy isn't the groove the problem is that it goes nowhere for five minutes. It's damn chorus. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's, it's 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 really terrible. And I think I mean, it's not the Sorry, groove. The isn't twang the in the voice, the yeah. Like yeah. I wanted to stab oh, my ears. Yeah, and I I I think it's not the groove's not the issue there. I mean, it's just it's that it's sure no for sure. Yeah, and I, I I so I think it's like to separate that. What do you think of that? I guess it was fine. That that wasn't my problem, you know, specifically. It's just it, it's. I see where you, you're coming from here too, and there's. I, I think part of this just comes. I don't really even have the toolbox to to engage in on on the level you're engaging it on, you yeah, know. Maybe it, not. And, and again, I think it, it's easily it's easy to become like a a trump card of like, oh sure. well, you know. It's right. like, well, who cares if it's good music? Like at that level, I want more than just that, and I yeah. agree. And, and so I I, right. I do go beyond that. I do like it as music, but sure. for me, and this is the last thing I think I'll say for a little bit, and I want to hear from Will. Um, for me, I see their pop songs almost as like jazz standards that they're, it's, it's about the arrangement. It's not about the song. Who cares if the song sucks? I mean, in a way, it's almost like, look what we just did with this track. And to me, that's how I listen to a lot of it. Like, I don't really care. I'm not emotionally involved in Pamela in any way. I don't, I think it's pretty good, but I, it's what the, how they did that song. Not do I like the mm-hmm. song, I guess. Well, you thought it was more than pretty good. You made it number one. It was number one. It's it's spectacular in that way. But it's not like it's because, oh, man, this is a great jazz standard. I want to hear everyone's version of Pamela. It's like, no, I want to hear Toto because everyone else is probably going to kind of suck. So anyway. Yeah. It's well, Will, do you have anything you want to I'm going to jump off there because I had a similar – I started at a similar place but came almost to opposite conclusions hmm. that – by far, my biggest problem with so many of these tracks was that they 
they seem to lack kind of an interpretive measure that I felt would have tied it together. So, I Pamela is is a great example. I think the chorus and Pamela that that's pretty excellent songwriting. And the first time I heard the song, I almost skipped it. Like, but I, after it came back up a few times, I was like, you know what? Actually, you know, like the the lyrics to this and, and the way that the way it all kind of comes together, like that kind of works. But I really wanted to hear it kind of in the hands of like a single auteur who would who would say, you know what? I don't want this to to just sound perfect. I want it to sound a little bit anguished. I want it to sound like a guy whose heart is breaking. And and I, I didn't get that on really like a lot of these tracks. That's I do want to like stop there though and say um I come down I'd say Nate and I probably have the closest feelings, but I'm I'm more on the I enjoyed it side of things than on the I didn't like it side of things. I didn't think I'd end up there. But I listened to plenty. I listened to more than just the playlist. I listened to all sorts of things. And and yeah, I mean, I might come back to some of it later, maybe. Um, but I think that tension that Nate addressed and that you've kind of talked a little bit, it really, it really showed to me in so many ways. And um, you mentioned the ballads, and, and the ballads are where it really stands out the most to me. And I did have one ballad on my playlist I had without your love. And I honestly, I chose it based almost entirely on the first minute nine seconds out of that five and a half minute track because it starts out with this amazing soulful dirty grinding bass groove and i'm like who is this band what am i listening to and it was and it just grabbed me from the get-go and then it comes into this it's not the same without you love and like I feel like if it if that same if those same lyric and musics had been handed off to a different producer, he would have said this chorus doesn't belong with this amazing intro. Let's rework this. You know, Will that that hits on something that I and this goes back to that that duality that I, I think you know because John you you raised a good point. I've I've repeatedly gone on how I, I, I like Daft Punk's new album a lot. And that's, a, I mean, that's a lot of this kind of stuff. There's a lot of that gooey 80s ballad in that, which is probably why Ryan has never been able to latch onto it either. Um, and I think that... But, but, well, and well, here's, but here's, okay. here's what I was going to say. I'll let you finish and then I'll yes, jump in. Yes, let me finish. But what the difference is, is I think that, I think Will's on to something. There's a lot of ideas in all of these songs. There's not a lot of focus in all the songs. Um so, which is maybe why Africa hits so, because Africa knows what it wants to do. Um, I think mm-hmm. some of the better songs are like that too. I think Hold the Line does that pretty well. It knows what it wants to be, and it, it executes it pretty well. I'll, I think I'll supply I'll the supply love. I'll supply the love does it. until the last minute twenty, and, and and it becomes a completely different song. And that that seems mm-hmm. to happen a lot. There seems to be like, oh, we have a lot of great ideas. Let's see how we can work them in, as opposed to saying. Okay, we got a lot of good ideas. Let's let's shave these away until we have something that works. And I don't think I, my my inclination is to say, oh, my way, the way I'm looking at it is the better way. I don't think they were really worried about that. I think they were like, oh, this would be a really cool transition, and they play something really cool, and it'd be like, to me, it's like, well, that doesn't that that doesn't belong there. But to them, it's like, isn't that cool? And I guess it's like, I guess if you're looking at it that way, yeah. That's you know. most <laughs> evident in Rosanna. Honestly, yeah. yes, that is it the is. Most- in Rosanna, that's the most evidence because they go into like this weird like thing that doesn't even belong with like the flute solo and 
Like it yeah. really like that song is one of the more popular Toto songs that I actually yeah, it is. have a hard time with. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, you know what? I actually I, I I'm like I'm like Ryan. I did not dig into a lot of Toto for this. I just mostly did the playlist. Part of that was because it was just very daunting. I didn't know where to start at all. And part of that's because I just I didn't enjoy it really. But so the playlist kind of guided me. But but Rosanna was one I kind of grabbed onto and I it was funny cuz I was listening to it and I was like which is Rosanna's not on either one of these playlists. So I but I was listening to it. And I, it was in the background and I was like Oh, this is all right. And then I looked back later on, I'm like, wow, this song is still going. And I looked down, and it was only only been like four <laughs> minutes. And I was like, and, and that, really? that is a cue for that's. This is a live band too. That's the other it thing is. they mentioned. This yeah. is what, what they do live. Then is they say, yeah, there's all these songs. They treat them as jazz standards. Literally, they take. They take uh, Rosanna and they start, re- they reharmonize it into a jazz standard, then bring in the real song, and then the ending group, which goes everywhere. No, they take that and turn it into this gigantic live transition to show off how good they are. And so, in a way, you, you can't really like the songs in as songs too much. They're, they're more like, oh, that's nice enough. And that's about how yeah. I treat most of the songs. But I think, and I think in a lot of ways, that's, I think, how they treat them evidenced by what they do with them in concert Mm -hmm. in full disclosure i really only like if i'm being realistic probably about 30 percent of their total discography Mm -hmm. um i mean that's still a lot of damn music though but but, (laughs) but i mean like i really will only listen to generally with the exception of toto four really only listen to maybe three out of three out of the songs on the on most of the albums um if that i mean fahrenheit there's really like two um so and same with uh, uh, isolation, which actually, um, ironically, has um, two of my favorite songs, which I had never heard before. Before I jumped back in, so I mean, I did find two two of my favorite songs from them are "Endless" and "Isolation," and they're like ba- they're back to back, and it's there's a reason why they're put back to back to each other. They're they're the best part of the album, and they they kind of steal people a little yeah. bit there. Yeah. Um, hey, we have to. We got to start wrapping this up. We're kind of mm-hmm. starting to go go a little long here. But Ryan, you had one thing you wanted to add, and then I think we got to go to the voting. Yeah, I was just gonna say real quick, tying back to what you and Will said, you bring up random access memories, and at least with that, even though I don't connect with it, I did get a sense that Daft Punk were trying to say something with it, that they were trying, that there was something in it that they were trying to express, uh, it, but. And I didn't connect with it, but I could see that. I could get, I could touch it, you know, in some way. But with this, like Will said, there's just no interpretation to anything. It's just there. And it makes sense going back to the whole jazz standard thing, I, I suppose, where it's it's more of a template than it is a fully formed idea. It's a template that you can riff on and fill in as you like in a live performance. Um, but just as a recording, it just... Uh, Left that, me a boiling cesspool of rage. Maybe one of the more <laughs> ironic statements I've ever heard. That, and again, not to dis- diminish Random Access Memories, I really like that album. Um, but to say that that has more focus than Toto as a band uh, really is weird to me. But uh, well, fo- agree focus. To I, I think I think focus in the sense that the songs are a little more clear on what they're trying to accomplish for the most part. Now that's, I, we could go, I, I could talk about that album all day, so I, I won't get into it too much, but I think I, I, I see what you're both saying there. It's a, it's a weird tension between how am I going to 
you know, if I, if I don't, I, and I think about that too, it's like, why am I, why do I respond this way to this album and not to this can, one? Can I say, I think it's the difference between artistic vision and technical accomplishment. That's how I would sum it up. Yeah. And, and I think that my, I mean, my immediate inclination, and this is not a, a good one, but my immediate inclination is to say, oh, the artistic inclination is better. Yeah, but that's I, my. But you yeah, know what? I and I, but you know not. what, Aaron, you raise a good point. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily better. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's entirely what you're looking for. And I think well, that this and there's is different ways to be artistic. And I think sure. when we and, and again, some of these guys are super focused on that kind of session musician aspect. You know, if Jeff Beccaro in an interview, he would talk about like great moments and great subtleties in the drumming of uh, Bernard Purdy on like. Home at Last by Steely Dan or something. It's like, so you think this song is great because of the subtleties in the drumming. Okay, that's why you're in Toto. Right. right. And I went, just real quick, my my thoughts there were, as I listened to uh, all the music I listened to from this band was, I knew going into it that one of the first breakups of the band happened because Jeff <laughs> wanted to spend more time as a session musician. And as I listened to this, I said, this sounds like a band that would break up because they wanted to spend more time being session musicians. I did find it funny that they celebrated winning album of the year by going and spending a lot of time doing work for Thriller. Right. (laughs) Most people will be like, we won album of the year. Let's get started on the next one so we can capitalize on the cash. You know, I want the cash. I want I want the recognition. They got a lot of cash from Thriller. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're still around. Yeah, they, they, lots they, of royalties. They, they just thought they'd go ahead and work on the next album of the year too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've talked enough. I think we need to render a verdict here. Um, voting. Yeah, voting on which playlist you thought was better. Uh, John, let's start with you. Which playlist did you last. prefer? You want to go last? Oh, okay. I want to be the deciding vote. Oh, I see. Well, <laughs> but you might not be. You might just be the guy who prevents the beat down. <laughs> You might be the pity vote. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy either. <laughs> okay, Ryan, we'll start with you then. This is really hard because <laughs> on the one hand, I hate Georgie Porgy, but on the other hand, I hate that Will likes it. So I, <laughs> I'm not sure. But I'm going to say since Aaron got it in his list that Will wins. Okay. Okay. One I had Africa. You did have Africa, Aaron, and that was actually <laughs> yeah, this, that was a, that does okay. Here's too. here's my thing. I I liked. I, I thought Will's list started stronger. The first three songs I liked better than the last two. I have a very hard time calling to memory the last two songs of Will's playlist. And I've I again I heard them like a dozen times, but they just aren't coming to me. Um, Aaron's playlist definitely had the highest point, which is Africa, but also the lowest, which is Georgie Porgy. So I'm kind of like. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's really close to me. I think I'm actually, oh man, I don't know. It's I I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna give the edge to Will as well, and Woo! I think and I think it's because of the shaping of the the way he shaped the playlist. And I'm I and I don't know why that's more, slightly more interesting to me. But I think it, it was something it grabbed me earlier on than I think. Well, Georgie Porgy's a risk, and I thought Pamela would win people over. <laughs> Georgie, and it didn't, so. Georgie Porgy was a risk. I thought I'd swing for the. I Georgie. think that's the album. That, I think that is our episode title. The Georgie Porgy <laughs> Gambit. That's a classic. Georgie that's Porgy a is classic. a risk. <laughs> anyway, uh, John, oh, how about so you? John, can you just vote for me? Just because. <laughs> okay, so, um, 
I think Aaron's downfall while being Georgie Porgy was not the downfall for me. My oh, man, if you wouldn't have put so many damn songs from the seventh one on there, Aaron, there's two. I know two out yeah, of five. Yeah, that's two Forty percent, forty percent, Aaron. <laughs> if you're gonna choose one album to choose two out of the five, it has to be four. Total four, because that's the one that's the clerically acclaimed. No, no, total one. Yeah, one. Toto, I, or Toto. If, if this itself. was a top ten, you know, which or Toto, yeah. Ryan would you could be dead. choose from Toto <laughs> self-titled as well. But Toto, the self-title would definitely win out. Uh, that yeah. being said, the you songs that I that like. One either, yeah. That being said, the songs I like the most are on Aaron's playlist, so I would give the edge to him. It still doesn't matter. It's a pity vote for any or any. <laughs> pity votes else, count. But, pity votes um, count. Oh, I'm just okay. excited to hear what Aaron's gonna have to research. Yeah, I'm oh, excited yeah. for this hey, too. I okay. I, I want you guys to know. I actually went on my Twitter feed today and I actually asked people what are some punishment songs that you'd pick. And I went through a lot of different, a lot of people, and I thought, you know, this that's a that's a pretty bad song, but it's not like it almost unbearable song and i thought what what could i do and i so then i went on wikipedia's article for the worst songs ever and i found one that oh man this song is called agadu a-g-a-d-o-o by a band called black lace it's a dance novelty song from the 80s it is awful it's like a three minute ringtone and watch so- <laughs> jeff carl played on it or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really awful aaron and it's 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 worse than you deserve i would say because you're you're a good friend and you've you've guided us through the the whole story of toto the the does have a slick groove it's it's got a it's got a groove man i don't know how slick it is it's it's more like it's it's intense and crazy i think so we'll see how it goes we're gonna do our hey guys yeah we got to talk about what we're gonna do in episode nine uh, let's go ahead, you know, Will, uh, you're going to be picking an album for us in the episode after that, so let's have you sit out, and Aaron, this was your album, so you're going to set out too. We're going to do, uh, John, let's start with you. Uh, what's a song you'd like to pick? Or do I have to come back to you? Come back to me, Dean. Okay, I'll start, because I always feel like I have to come back to someone, so I'll start. I hope Ryan's thinking of one too. I don't even want to have to try it. Oh, well, I'm starting anyway. The one time you're ready at the beginning, I'm starting. The song I picked was... Gobbledygook by Seeger Rose. Um, it is a good song. And I also picked Gobbledygook because I can say it. Although I don't I don't look forward to having to say the album name when it comes around to that. But we'll we'll cross that bridge. Cross that bridge next Is it Seglapore? Is that how you say it? I don't know. It's Hopelandic. It doesn't matter. It's yeah, okay. it's a made up language. I don't know how it's pronounced. Say it however you want. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, let's go to you next. Uh, in honor of their new album that came out today, which I forgot about, uh, Y Oak, their song Holy Holy from their second most recent album, Civilian. Cool. That's right, there is a new Y Oak album out today. Yeah. We instantly dated when this is being recorded, but that's okay. John, do you have one? Um, yes, I'm, I'm going to go back to one of the ones I've been listening to and make everybody listen to Elevate by St. Lucia. Elevate by St. Lucia. Thank you. 
And that will be in episode 9. And as always, thank you for listening to the Takedown Notice. Uh, you can catch us at thetakedownnotice.com. That's our website. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do so, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a review. Preferably a good one, but we will take any publicity because we are cheap that way. Um, we are whores for attention. We are. We definitely are. That's why we have a podcast in the first place. Um, also, if you want to email us at uh, thetakedownnotice at gmail.com, visit us at uh, thetakedownnotice.com, and you can also subscribe to us on iTunes or the uh, program of your choice, or just uh, listen to us some other way. It doesn't matter to us, and we will catch you next time, episode 9. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Bye.